Big game coming up as the Chicago Bears take on the Washington Commanders, but it's a short week. We're not even done with Sunday yet. Nick and I are going to break down everything you need to know about Sunday's game against the Broncos, as well as everything you need to know about the Commanders game on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us. I'm Robert Schmitz, the editor of DeBear's blog, and with me is Nick Whalen of Football Guys, as always. And Nick, I hear you've got a little quiz for me, so I'm just going to pass things straight up to you, and we'll get right into it. How you doing? Well, well I, I'm doing well, man. I mean, I'm um, healing from, you know, Sunday's Bears loss, but as you know, we've talked about, and I put this on Twitter, I... I want a lot of money in DFS, so I can't be super upset, but I'm burning on something with the Bears. And so I've got a little bit of a deep dive here, starting with the quiz, and I'll ask you, but then also listeners, you guys can follow along and you guys can answer. And then it's going to dive deep into something I'm burning on, which is going to be controversial. Okay, Let's do it. I love controversial. So, you know, as, as if you guys have been listening to the show, we use PFF as this third party, right? It's nice. It, it, it bounces off of what we see on film most of the time. I think we're in close agreement with what PFF does. Mm-hmm. So I did, and if, if, you, if you guys are watching on YouTube, I took a whole legal pad sheet here of notes <laughs> of PFF, okay? And this is um, the grades uh, and rankings per position group of Chicago Bears this year okay. and then what they had last year. So I'm not going to include the punter and kicker, which have gotten in better this year versus last year. But Robert, there are 33 veterans mm-hmm. between offense and defense, so we can't include rookies because we don't have their PFF grade. So 33 total that have a grade this year and they've had a grade last year. Okay. Right? There are only five offensive guys mm-hmm. and two defensive guys that have improved their PFF score from last year to this year. Mm-hmm. Name them. Okay, so the two defensive guys, one of them has to be Andrew Billings. It, I find it hard to believe that that's not Andrew Billings. Now, now, now here's going to be a shocker for you. Andrew Billings only went up 0.7. Seriously? Is it because now, they credited the season against the Raiders so well and the last two weeks as the Chiefs and uh, and Broncos sort of avoided him? They basically didn't correct. give him like the 90s that he yep. had the other yep. weeks. Yeah, he, he came back down to earth a little bit. But this is, he was He's playing ranked, great ball. He, yeah, he's, he's ranked 15th overall among D tackles. And I think right. he was like 18th last year. So. He's still, hilariously enough, one of the Bears' primary sources of pressure on passing. Oh, downs. yeah. But so, oh, we, yeah. We got Billings. And then yeah. I was trying to think about this because I had a feeling you were going to ask me who they were. And so I've got two guesses, but I'll start with a yes no question. Is it a DB? Yes. I would guess it's Kyler Gordon. No, so I didn't include him because he has such a small sample That's the thing. I'm happy you said that because I was like, surely it has to be Kyler. I know he graded pretty well because he played pretty well. Right, but his minimum minimum snap count isn't close. I'm like, it's not fair. His grade was abysmal last year too. So I was like, that's got to be it. Is it Jalen Johnson? It is Jalen Johnson. That's what I thought. So Jalen Johnson, for people that don't know, is crushing it according to PFF. And I think he's playing well on film. He's the ninth highest corner in PFF. His grade last year um, was 62.9. He increased it to 80.1, which is a significant jump. I mean, if you look, and we talked about the 70 is probably the baseline for you're you're doing well. You have a good season. I would say 
65 to 70 is probably average. So 80 right. is really, really good. So those are the two defensive guys. Mm-hmm. Offense. Offense. Okay. So, and it's, it's five guys. Yep. And, and I'll, I'll put this out there. One of the guys I included off of a small sample size. Okay. <laughs> so that, that, that's, that's reaching for a positive. These are people that aren't rookies. Okay. Not rookies. So Khalil Herbert has to be on this list. Yes. Khalil Herbert. So he went from 72.5 last year. And again, he was very efficient mm-hmm. up to 82.9. And he's the fourth highest graded running back right now. He, he, he ruled. He ruled on Sunday. This is a great way to review Sunday really fast. It is. Uh, it is. So I would bet, because I'm trying to get ahead of the curve here, that Justin Fields is on this list because uh-huh. he graded pretty well on uh, last week's game, which was abysmal offensive outing. Like the whole game plan, quarterback involved, it was just terrible, but he executed yep. his part within it. And then in this week, he had so many throws in the first half that were just sparklers. I mean, you don't end up with an 18, a plus 18 completion percentage over expectation on accident. I mean, he was ballin' ballin'. And so I have a feeling that that outweighed the two other games in which he wasn't bad. He just might not have been good. And so that's got to be pushing him up, right? Right, right. So so here's the thing. So we know how much Justin Fields has not run this year, which... Helps out because that grade goes into the overall average. He is up 0.4 is it, which 19th oh, overall quarterback, but he's up 0.4. So he That's includes hilarious. for a positive. Yep. That's hilarious. Uh, third, I'm going to guess DJ Moore. Yes. DJ Moore is up a 2. little 0.5. I was overall. like, it can't be much. Because nope. they had him graded as just okay in Carolina. If I had to guess, he's still below two years ago in, in what he graded with Carolina. Now, you may not know that off the top of your head. I, I don't have that off the top of my head. But I can look it up last as we go. year. He was a da- or he went down himself. So this is somewhere between a dead cat bounce and the fact that he's also balling. Separate so, thing. So let's look. So overall, ooh, that's very good memory, Robert. So he's. Overall, 76.4 is his grade 18th best receiver. Mm-hmm. You go back to 2019, 2020, and 2021. Those are all above his grade this year. So there's hope for him to get better. Exactly. I mean, he's a beast. And last year's Carolina offense was not healthy. The Bears offense this year is not healthy. And regardless of how the season finishes, Nick, if the Bears win 15 games from here, whatever's left on the schedule, or they lose them all, DJ Moore is somebody I'm incredibly excited to have. Yes. Uh, I Okay, so more, more guessing. Um, so you have, you, have two, you have two left. Mm-hmm. Cole Komet's got to be up because Cole he had Komet a really strong game. Cole Komet went from 67 to 71.5, 14th best tight end overall. And he may settle out, just saying. But Mm -hmm. last week in particular, he caught so many balls, and PFF, again, doesn't grade the snaps you don't get targeted on. And so the his involvement in the offense, the fact that man, the guy keeps scoring touchdowns. Like I I'm sitting here, you can hear me if you hear it, Nick, talking through how they probably graded it. Right. While also talking about the player. Uh let me see. I don't it's not gonna be Mooney. Um I swear if you included ESB, I'm gonna laugh because he like might have graded out higher, but 
there's no way he made your minimum snap count if Kyler Gordon. So didn't so make so I, I have the data for you because I went deep here. <laughs> I included him. He is down. I know the minimum snap count is low. I included him just because of his overall point. He's down 0.1 from last year, and he only had like what five probably snaps that even okay. mattered. <laughs> yep. Let me see. All right. So I've got how many? Do I? Does that put me at three of the offensive so, veterans? No, so you 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 said Fields, Herbert, Komet, and DJ Moore. There's one oh, you're guy right. you're missing left. And I I had a feeling because I was like, it's got to be one of the linemen, uh, but it's obviously not right because he wasn't on the team last year. Mm-hmm. There's no way. I just. Mm, I would be shocked if it's Davis because he had such a bad first game and he doesn't have the like shelf or he, he doesn't have the playing uh, the snaps, the total snaps to outweigh that first game. But man, I have to say his name here, Nick, because he looked great in pass protection. If you saw what I saw, I thought Nate Davis was low, low B balling. Um, is it Larry Borum? It is not Larry Borum. Okay. So Larry Borum went down from 64.7 last year to 55.4. The other guess that I have would be Lucas Patrick didn't play any good snaps in 2021 or 2022. So is there a chance Lucas Patrick made the list because he purely was like medium passable, like bad, but not God awful <laughs> for well, some of these games? <laughs> So here's the part where I'm going to pause with Robert, okay? It's everyone listening. You've heard me on this show. <laughs> if you think that I was going to have a whole segment dedicated to PFF grades and Lucas Patrick was going to be a positive, you probably don't know me that well. No, I Lucas, figured. I figured. Lucas Patrick went down 13.2 from his horrible Is 2022. Seriously? Is he seriously that far down right now? 42.7. That's he unplayable. The, and he's, he's been 30, unplayable. Yeah, he's the 34th overall graded center. Man, goodness. All right, so do you want to give up? Who is it? Well, not give up, but (laughs) I could sit here spitballing. I went six for six. There's one that I missed, and I missed it twice. Basically, you were like Chicago on Sunday. You had a great (laughs) three and a half quarters, and then... Fumbled it at the end. (laughs) There it went. Uh, The last guy, and this is a little bit of a minimum snap count, but I'm including Mercedes Lewis. Was not a bear. (laughs) Gosh, now I get what you mean. I assumed you meant, yeah, no, I got you. He has been balling. Mercedes Lewis. Oh, you thought they had to be bears two years ago. For some reason, I thought about Mercedes, and then I thought to myself, no, it wasn't a bear, which is stupid because that means I cross up the rules because DJ Moore, obviously, I I mentioned already. So that's on me. That's user error. Uh, No, that's okay. (laughs) He went up significantly. He was at... 65.6 65.6 to 79 overall. He went up significantly, which in some of my conversations with, um, and I'll get to my final point with this, but some of my conversations regarding that fourth and one play regarded around, if you look who's on the field, Komet, Tunyon, two receivers, you got the shotgun. You don't have your best blocking tight end, Mercedes Lewis, which would have had the double team with Darnell Wright on that play, which would he could have got off easier. And you don't have Kari Blast game in there. Like, again, what are we doing? But anyways, here's my overall point. So those are five offensive and two defensive guys out of 33. 24% of the team that has an opportunity, I'm not counting the two punters and kickers, Mm -hmm. 24% improved this year. 76% got worse. That is 
horrendous. I mean, you, you generally, you generally should get a little bit better. So now let's dig a little bit deeper into the numbers. I looked into how much worse they got the offensive line on average. And again, this is going to be Patrick Davis, Whitehair, Carter, uh, Braxton Jones, and Larry Borum. All of them have gotten worse. How much worse on average between all of them, they've gotten 14.2 grade worse PFF. That is falling off a cliff. And you got to remember for anybody who's not super into PFF, that is the equivalent of about a tier and a half. So that's going from above average down to average and halfway into bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's 14 points. Very similar to school is just like, um, it's a pretty heavy doc. Like that's yep. pretty big. Yep. And then, and then, so I added in uh, all of the offense and all of the defense. And if you're curious on anyone, you can ask me here. So I had all of them together and divided by 33. So that'd be the people that went up and the people that went down. The average veteran player for Chicago went negative 6.65 PFF grade on the season. That's on the whole team going from, you know, a lot of them, um, and, a new scheme last year to this year or, or they're new, but they should have been, <laughs> they should have upgraded us. You know what I mean? Right. And playing with each other. And that is, I'm going to lean on coaching. If you, if you were in a new team and you're playing worse than you were previously, that's coaching. If you were with the team last year and doing worse this year, that's coaching, which brings me all the way to my point. That's going to be a little bit of controversial here of chase Claypool. Chase Claypool right now, let's you know kick him away from the team and all this stuff. I see Chase Claypool as the scapegoat. They have to have somebody. He's he's the problem. He's the one. So it takes off the pressure off of Getze, off of Eberflus, off of every one of these players that is worse. It's not just Chase Claypool. So Chase Claypool's numbers, he went down from 61.8 to 53.3, which is just below the average of right. all of them. Is he that much worse? Or is it the coaching? He's frustrated with the coaching. DJ right. Moore's been frustrated. Fields has been frustrated. So to me, I think this whole thing is just this terrible act of, well, we need to blame somebody. And if you're a player on the team, I mean, I'm frustrated as a fan. You don't think the person, this is your job, you'd be frustrated. I think they're frustrated too. So I think this is a ridiculous act of, well, it's it's his fault. Let's give him the attention. Let's right. It was his choice not to be there. Oh, wait, hold on. We told him to stay away. Like, this whole thing is just ridiculous. Oh, it's a complete And I mess. put it all on the coaches. So is this what you we were going to disagree about? Because you mentioned yes. that we were going to disagree about something. No, I am well, 100% with you. Like, yes. this, is, this is insane. On one hand, you've got a Bears organization that is going to make out or make this out as if Chase Claypool is some sort of just problem player that absolutely nobody can work with, which is, you know, a real shame because he's a man in a contract year, which is normally the most agreeable you're ever going to find a player. And he came from three years of history production within a Pittsburgh offense that had him out producing the offensive role he played in Chicago. And then you look, okay, so let's get away from Chase Claypool. Let's talk about Stefan Diggs. Let's talk about Tyreek Hill. Let's talk about all kinds of Canarius. Tony is another example, like players that are often described as divas or hard to work with. Stefan Diggs requested a trade, but instead Sean McDermott, 
also a defensive coach, has been able to harness all of that talent and weaponize it within his offense that just tore Miami in half this last week. Great I mean, game I mean, for them. Darnell Mooney is down 10.1 points overall this year. Are oh, we blaming yeah. Darnell Mooney? Is Darnell Mooney the scapegoat? That's the thing. I mean, we watch, we look at wide receiver body language from the first four weeks now, and you'll get DJ Moore clapping at Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney throwing his hands in the air and jumping up and or like jumping up and down. Chase Claypool looking around like, how much more open could I have possibly been? Like, are all of them locker room kids? Right, right. And and to, and to me, like. The part, and I think we talked about this on the last pod, but I would have liked to see Chase Claypool out there in the fourth quarter when we needed somebody. He Tell me can help us. missing team. him. Tell me they weren't missing him in yep. that moment, like you're talking about. I mean, the fact that the Bears at this point, let, let's just say it, Nick, because it's brutal, but it's true. The fact that the Bears cannot capably execute an offense where they lie, where they have to pass and they have to move the ball at this moment. I don't see it. Do you like it's one thing to play complimentary football where you run the ball and you pass the ball off of the run. That's exactly what the 49ers do. Like it's not news, right? But in situations, whether it's one minute situations, whether it's end of game situations where you have to conserve time and therefore you have to keep the ball in the air, the bears for now two years have been underwater. And last year we called it a talent problem. This year we now have talent sitting inactive. By the time this mm -hmm. pod comes out, that talent may not be on the roster anymore. Yep. And we traded a second round pick for it. Like, I sit here like, do you think Poles is okay with this? I sit here thinking, how on earth have the coaches failed to get through to him? Because like you're saying, everything going on with Chase Claypool feels emblematic of everything going on within the rest of the roster. And Yeah, no, 100%. To me, 0-5 sticks with everybody. It sticks with everybody. Anything I say in this podcast, however long we talk, Nick, don't ever get it twisted that I like this staff or want to defend what this staff is doing. Mm -hmm. In fact, any doomsaying that I have about the Bears quarterback situation is purely because I can't see a world where the Bears win enough games to maybe save Matty Berflus's job, but instead we fire him anyways. And the next head coach comes in and says, but I want to keep Justin Fields. It just doesn't, it doesn't, I can't see that world. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, Either yeah. Eberflus's job is saved, which would be a freaking wild turn at this point. Like mm -hmm. we are going so far down at this stage that to, to save Matty Berflus's job would take some titanic quarterbacking. Well, I mean, I mean, you 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 have the biggest comeback ever allowed in Bears history, the longest losing streak in Bears history, and the most points allowed consecutively in NFL history. Was that one Under of the biggest comeback in Bears history? Yeah, they allowed. Yep that that was it. Like yep. down or twenty one points in that mm -hmm. quick. Oh my gosh, Nick. <laughs> I mean that that's what I heard. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Historic day. For Chicago, yeah. well, right? I mean, especially when you think of what twenty-one points in seventeen minutes. Oh, I mean, it was a—it's a flurry. It's—it's it's unacceptable to be honest mm -hmm. with you, especially because, like, okay, so you want to talk—you want to talk quarterback a little bit. You want to talk quarterback? Sure, sure, yeah. My word. Did you, are you curious on anyone else's individual grade? I have it here. Oh, I mean, well, that's the problem, right? If I was a coach, if I was a coach taking over this roster, if you told me, you said Robert. 
go assess the roster and come back to me. I would practically throw some of this tape out because so many of these guys are being put in such bad positions to succeed, especially when you watch Nick. I'm, I'm going to try not to grab my microphone and pick it up and just shout into this thing. Almost literally any other film we watch, people get better opportunities. Like yeah. whether that's the wide receivers getting stronger concepts, they've got Darnell Mooney not breaking half the time. Like half the time, Darnell Mooney is just running over routes or like drag routes or little routes into the flat where he's deliberately rounding his route. And I'm like, what? Half of Darnell's entire kit is his ability to translate his speed out of his stem into something else. What are we doing? And I mean, well, and yeah. a lot of them were dialed up well last week, but a lot of it is like, okay, you're a decoy and we hope this one guy gets open. And if that guy doesn't get open, I hope Justin can scramble. Like that's kind of the offense. That's it's kind of the offense. And so it's not that I, I want to throw out your grades. Do you want to take us through anybody? Because you put in the work. So this is your well, time. To I, mean, shine. I, I guess roughly, I mean, I know the average is 6.65 worse, but a lot of that is because like, how can guys get any lower? Like Justin Jones is yes. at 1.4 from 45.8 to 44. And that's despicable uh, that he's that bad twice. Again, remember Bears oh. fan, 60 is what you get if you didn't play. If you played one snap as the right tackle and they ran to the left and you were just completely out of the play, you will get a 60 and that will be your NFL career. 45 mm -hmm. is not just one level below replacement. That is halfway into the next level below replacement. And yep. that, that gets you, Nick, into, in PFF terms, the whole, like, it's impossible to grade out at a 35 over the course of a season because the moment you start grading into a 40, I'm going to bet you. Like, yep. it's... Yeah. it's he, he's the 109th best defensive tackle. And then we have... And this, <laughs> this is the DS. Say that number I mean, again. I worry that that got lost. How, how far down the list is he? So, so again, 32 teams... You put two tackles, 64, right? He's 109th. <laughs> I mean, starting and, though. And, <laughs> and, and, he's, and he's starting. Well, here it gets worse though. I mean, you have you have Dom Rob went down 1.8 from his rookie year. He's 105th D end. <laughs> Unique Nagakwe went from 51.4 last year to 44.1. He's tied with Dom Rob for 105th, the lowest of his NFL career. Rasheem Green, our favorite, um, is down 21.3 PFF grade from last year. He's 108th at the end. Unbelievable. Every linebacker, the three starting linebackers, are all 10 or more points worse than last year. Eddie Jackson's worse. Brisker is 24, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 14 points worse. 13.9, uh, but it's close to 14. Now, Brisker, worse. I got to tell you, I understand there are going to be a lot of people that may find this take a little hot. So just understand that I mean this as level head as I can. I am stunned Brisker graded out as well as he did last year. There were so many moments where Brisker was flat out lost, slow to the ball. Nick, I'm not trying to tell you he's bad. He's a safety. When you're okay at safety, you get torched. And then when you take a step into being pretty good now, you suddenly look outstanding. Like the margin is so razor thin. Well, he he missed a lot of tackles. And 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 to give to give people an idea of where he is, he's currently ranked worse than Darnell Savage, who is terrible in Green Bay. Yep. I mean, 
that's a good point because he didn't miss a lot of tackles last year. So that's going to probably drag him down, 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 down. And yep. I, you just, if anything, it becomes pretty outstanding that Andrew Billings is still grading out not just positive, but quite positive, <laughs> given <laughs> how poorly the rest of the defense is performing around him. Let's use Tremaine Edmonds. I went on a rant on Twitter about this. I'll say it again. Oh. Tremaine Edmonds oh. is not your driver. Tremaine Edmonds might be your driver. Let's use a golf bag analogy, but he's not an iron. Right. This isn't an every hole club. This isn't nope. a like, oh, man, I need to get myself out of a jam. Better use trusty old Tremaine Edmonds. Like I'm not even playing. I think Tremaine Edmonds is a phenomenal linebacker, not dissimilarly to the way that I thought about Rocha or yeah, Roquan Smith. The problem is the moment you ask him to take on blockers. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Nick, <laughs> you are going to have problems sprout well, up well, immediately. Well, you, you just take the, the, the Justin Jones in front of you and you put him behind, and that is the worst-case scenario. He, it reminds me a little bit of early career Erlacher who struggled with the same thing. He's right. a better coverage guy, struggled when guys got in his face. So then they brought in Ted Washington and Keith Trailer, and it helped out quite a bit. And I mean, that's the thing. Tremaine Edmonds doesn't bother me. Anybody talking about Tremaine Edmonds at this point? No, no, no. I will fight the good fight with them because nobody is moving laterally like number 49. Nobody could theoretically cover space like number 49. But the moment, Nick, they're giving him a run gap, we're going to lose that gap. And teams are figuring it out. I mean, we're playing. And, and one, he's, he's missing tackles, too. We're playing. He's not even attacking the runner at times. No. And nor did I expect him to because he's the only linebacker that doesn't bite on play action, which I like. Like he's he's not flying downhill until he knows the running back has the ball, which yep. wouldn't bother me if the defensive line could play gap and a half or oh, God forbid they two gap. Right. But. Whoa, that's that's too far out there. But but I think the overall point is, is are all of these players just coincidentally playing bad like that? That's not the case. TJ Edwards know, and Tremaine Edmonds suddenly become complete sieves in coverage. They, they forgot how to play football. All these guys, you know, like it's coaching. This is this is the difference in coaching. And to me, this mm -hmm. is why. And again, we've talked about this show. I don't like because I have a job. I don't want someone saying that I should lose my job, but I think that we're going to have some changes after Thursday. I mean, there has to be some change. I don't know what they do. I mean, truly, Alan Williams already having left the team puts them in a real hole because the defensive coordinator taking over is pretty standard. I mean, let me ask you a blunt question, man. Do you want Luke Getze running this team? Um, I mean, I think you could have a lot of different people run the team, and is it going to get worse? How could it get worse? <laughs> I mean, you say that. Don't say that. <laughs> if, it, if, it do, if it does, then it's the path to Caleb. If it gets better, then then you'll learn something. But like you, this is about player development, and player development is getting worse. So you got to try something different, which is totally fair. I mean, don't hear me standing for Matt Eberflus. I think it's just it's just a tough situation the Bears have backed themselves into because so much is not working. Anyways, let's let's talk. For instance, because sure. now that we're talking about coaching. I want to talk about what I saw watching the offensive tape. I have never seen this before, Nick. I have never turned on a tape and spent more time watching the defense of that tape than I did the Bears offense. I love the offense. This Broncos defense is one of the messiest units I have 
ever watched. I mean, trust me, Nick. Do you have any idea how excited I was to try to, I'll just come straight out and say it, like to rake in some Twitter likes off of sweet, sexy Justin Fields throws. Oh, I was so ready. And there were a couple, but man, Nick, like we're talking pre-snap, you can clearly tell they're in man. Then they back off 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and try to play catch man with a bunch of fast Bears receivers. This was batting practice. This was easy. This was offense as easy as I think Justin Fields could have ever seen it. And maybe the easiest he's ever played in his career. And especially for as long as Vance Joseph remained dead set on, for some reason, defending a mobile quarterback in man coverage, the Bears were ripping them in half. Then add all the coverage busts, of which there were way too many. Then Then add the fact that the Bears were kind of balling on the ground game. Like, as far as not just hitting their blocks, but mixing up what they were doing in that run game well. Finally, Luke Getze turned his brain on and just opened the playbook from 2022 to get that multiple run game back, even just a little. I, I'm so frustrated, Nick, because I wanted to see Justin Fields show us that he could play against zone. And then at the end of the game, Vance Joseph shifted into primarily calling things out of zone, and the offense got stuck in the mud again. And mm-hmm. suddenly looked a lot like it's it's not that Fields is like throwing into traffic. He just checks it down. And so against Denver, that meant sometimes we move the ball. Sometimes on second and 10, our check down guy got cut down, forced to third and 10. And then Cole Komet, despite being open for six yards, well, we're not going to throw it to Cole Komet for six yards because why would we? That's not a first down. So we roll out of the pocket. We throw the ball away. That's the three and out that became yep. 14 to 28. And then the next drive, obviously, we had a fumble that can't happen. But I don't really want to focus too much on the fumble because to me, Nick, as we preview the Washington game, this is what they do. They run a spot drop zone a lot with a Mm -hmm. vicious front four. And this is where Fields is struggling. And so we're going to get a game plan not dissimilar from week one Green Bay. And I got to ask you, man, I got to ask you. Where do you see them score? Like, where do you see the Bears? Help me see the Bears scoring points. Because their routes, their route distribution against zone sucks. They don't do anything to challenge zone defenders. They practically act as if they have no idea zone is coming. And they'll just run a bunch of man-beating reps, despite the fact that the defense is very obviously lined up to get into cover two or cover three. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Yeah. Because Luke Getze does not seem like he's helping anything. That's not a surprise. We, right. We've seen enough over the last, what, um, 21 games now to have a good inkling on whether Getsy is going to be helpful or not. But also, this takes me back to 2019 in a way that I am not having fun with, where Justin Fields, if you call man, will saw you in half. Those throws he made, like the touchdown throw to Moore, the touchdown, the, you say what you will, but the touchdown throw to Komet, but that throw to Herbert, uh, like as he just navigated a bunch of man reps or man routes, the bootleg throw that he had where he uncorked a sick ball to DJ Moore that he was able to catch in stride. Uh, the other sideline throw that was just a flat out coverage bust with the uh, with the safety playing in Montana and he like fields roping it over to DJ Moore. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, the arm talent is awesome and he's playing on time and he, he looks like a different quarterback. And he then does. they turned on they turned on the zone faucet. And we saw him again. 
And I'm sitting here looking at this Jekyll and Hyde act. Like the problem is it's a pattern. I wish it was streakier, but instead we're getting like, if you do this, this happens. And if you do that on defense, that happens. So calm me down. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the I mean, you talked about the the cover two, you know, whole shot that was zone. The Cole Komet touchdown, he looked off the safety that was zone and a bust. Um, I saw. Zone. I thought that was man. I got to tell you, because it. Looked oh, really? Me, it looked to me that that it, hook curl guy who came up. You thought he was supposed to have man with him. It's hard to tell, but I think so because if he if he's not playing man, then the safety is just lost because yeah. the single high safety is nowhere but the down the line corners sit on their receivers and the slot guy covering more is in man now it's very common to play a slot guy with a man tag that's what the bears do all the time so that that could be anything it's hard i guess it's simply put it's hard to know that's a massive gap to leave if that's not a coverage bust but also the linebacker makes no attempt to play man so no. if somebody's wrong, no, it was, that was bad. Um, well, and, the, and then and then the play. I mean, at the end of the game, the interception. I mean, the earlier version of that, the one to Mooney. I saw Mooney right settle in his zone, and Fields hits him in anticipation, mm-hmm. and then Moore actually settles in the zone opposite him. He's wide open too. So that's my glimmer of hope. So let me. I got I got a bunch of stats for you. Okay, Give for you guys. Me. This might this might help a little bit. So I know that. Washington, I think I looked it up, like they spent their 2017, 18, 19, 20, and 21st, all first-round picks, all on defense, all four D linemen and then linebacker. Uh, And then this year, uh, Forbes uh, as well, so 2023. He's a dog. Rookie, but a dog. Oh, he's playing terrible, though. Come on now. So is Tyreek Stevenson. This is what rookie DBs do. Yeah, I I mean, I'm okay. I like him. (laughs) <laughs> not that oh, he's playing oh, well. I, lo- I love his game. Yeah, I loved him out of college, but yeah, he's getting torched. He's lit up like a Christmas tree. So so we know the Bears defense is bad, averaging 6.1 yards allowed per play, 31st in the NFL. Washington is 5.6, which is 24th allowed in the NFL. So that's also bad. Mm-hmm. Net yards per pass attempt, the Bears are 31st. Washington is 25th. Mm-hmm. Rushing yards allowed per attempt. This Shocked me, Robert. Washington is tied for 25th in the NFL, which is, again, bad. Yes. Chicago is tied for 7th. We're actually kind of good against the run game. I I was like, oh, okay. You you have to think about it. We would be in so many less third and longs. This would be Mm -hmm. so much less embarrassing if we were just a normal defense that couldn't stop the run. Instead, this kooky plan to get Andrew Billings, who's just been a baller. I mean, but the intention was for him to just two gap and stop the run with Demarcus Walker, who also played pretty well against Denver. Like he's bouncing back. Yeah, th- this is working to and, get and, us. Into and TJ th- Edwards is bouncing back. Those are your three guys that are bouncing back mm-hmm. right now, which would be great if the Broncos, after an entire game of trying to attack the middle of the field for no real reason, they honestly, I'm shocked. I don't know if you felt this way. Shocked at how poorly Sean Payton seemed to game plan the early phase of what they were doing within the offense. But then at the end, they realized, why don't we just throw it at these corners? And they did. <laughs> and suddenly you well, saw. Third- and, no, and no one wanted to tackle the running back. No. ever. <laughs> third, um, third, yeah. Anyway, keep going. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so some more fun stats here. This one will just completely shock you. Quarterback hurry percentage per drop back. Oh, it has to be Howell. 
right? So, no, this is defense. Okay. So the amount of the amount of how often they're hurrying. Yes, the percentage of them hurrying the other quarterback per dropback. Chicago is at six point five percent. Right. We we know they're not doing great. Not good. Washington is at six point five percent. It isn't that shocking. Yes, it it yeah. has been awfully weird. Just saying, how mm-hmm. poor the or the Washington front has played. Now there's a little bit of a sample size question, right? Right. Because the teams Washington has played, I mean, outside of so they've got two teams that aren't good. Outside of the fact that the Cardinals have been like fun, but let's not count them as good for a hot moment. And then they played the Eagles, and then they played the Buffs. <laughs> like right, right. You, you, uh, you got some good teams, yeah. And but the Bears played the Chiefs, so it does go. It does cut both ways. But yeah. like you're saying, I mean, for as good as Deron Payne is, as good as Jonathan Allen is, you watch these games, you don't see number ninety three and number ninety four dominating with a capital D. Like mm-hmm. Chase Young mm-hmm. had a sweet sack, but you're expecting this four when you read them on paper to eat you alive. Yeah, they haven't yet, and. Right. They're not playing well on the ground, but they play uh, what I am worried about before we pass this back to you. It's just that they play what is currently Fields' kryptonite. If Denver can throw like a stick in the gears, running spot drop zone, then I'm worried about a team that looks like they've practiced it before because Denver, the first two or three times they called any spot drop or match, looked like they had drawn it up in like at halftime. Where they'd said, <laughs> we're going to run what you guys ran in high school. I know you know how to do it, but yep. we're, we're just going to run this. Right. But keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, a few other ones. So then then if you put in hurries, knockdowns, and sacks as a combined percentage, uh, that's where Washington gets significantly better than Chicago. They're 19th in the NFL. Chicago's 30th. Opponent QB rating, Chicago's abysmal, 115.9. Right. Washington's 95.5, which isn't great. 115.9? Oh, oh yeah, one fifteen. Yeah, oh it's, my gosh. and again that like that's including the picks that we got against backup. What Blaine? Yeah, Gabbert that includes Gabbert. Oh no! So I really, can't be imagine worse. Imagine the Gabbert, the Gabbert eliminated QBR, the GE QBR. Right. Yeah. Uh, third down percentage, Chicago is dead last, thirty second, fifty eight point nine percent. Washington thirty nine point six, and then the last one that shows you overall again. I think some of that is Buffalo Eagles. You had mentioned. But points allowed per drive, Chicago is 2.83 and Washington is 2.52. So my whole point with this is Chicago's terrible. We know this, but I don't think Washington's playing great. And that gives you a little bit of hope. And then, I mean, we can we'll turn to offense at some point, but I think the hope for offense is they got rolling, they got confidence, which I think confidence is a huge thing. I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen it on the field in the locker rooms. You guys have seen it when you watched. When you can play a lot more confidently, you play on time, you take more risks. I'm going to make this play like you, you believe a little bit, that momentum. And now you add in, which you talked about Nate Davis. Oh, he looked like the guy you signed. Let alone if you add in. (gasps) Here it is. Here it is. Tevin Jenkins. What Uh, if? Well, well, because going back to. My sheet, as I show here, you guys are just <laughs> listening, right? I can get rid of, let me see here. So, I mean, Coda Whitehair is not playing well either. No. I don't I don't care whomever at center. If I can get the 31st, the um, 34th worst center off of the field and punt him into the sun, put Cody Whitehair there, or if they deem Patrick better than Whitehair at center, I don't know, whatever, I would doubt that. 
But doing that and then getting back, now again, I don't think he'll be there right away, but Tevin Jenkins was the third best guard in PFF last year. Let's say he's 20th to start off with. That is monumental change, and you have four linemen, what you wanted to start the year, and that will help Fields because, as we all know, Fields does not do well with pressure, especially pressure in his face, and this could help everything. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, I mean, I don't know, Nick. I, I end up just, like, going almost round and round in circles with some of this, right? Because let's use this in a, like, there's this one play. There are very specific plays that, for some reason, stick out to me, especially now that everybody's scratched the itch. We've all, we've all done it at this point. We could just come out and not treat it like it's a dirty secret. On Monday, the day after a Bears loss, everybody gets sad. You Google, like, some college quarterback, and you start watching at least the, the highlights of some of the absolute top of the draft picks, right? And then I watch Justin Fields tape. And there are so many of those throws. Can't say it enough. I, I really want this to be accurate. Robert said Fields threw the ball outstandingly well. But late in the game on third and six on that Mooney pickup, the, the one you're talking about where it's like a sail combined with mesh, it's actually not a bad design. By the way, mm -hmm. uh, I love the way that they gave Fields a deep route option and a short route option if he literally just wanted to work sail. And if not, he could work mesh. If you saw what I saw, Fields stares at Mooney the entire time and just follows Mooney across the field. And Robert Tanyan is debatably open. Depends on if you think you could layer the throw over the linebacker, like as he breaks in, but Tanyan carries the man that Mooney or that would have covered Mooney out of the zone so that Mooney can run open and run free, which you know what? If Kirk cousins did that, I would have said, wow, there must've been some sweet pre-snap tell like that's awesome. But because fields has such a habit, of, lot, of basically pre-snap picking his receiver, because that's really all this is, right? Let's use right. like proper words, Nick. There are so many people that go, oh, he can't read a defense. There are so many people that say, oh, well, he doesn't know what he's looking at. No, 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 no. I think Fields just pre-processes almost everything. Like, I think that's okay to say, too, that he mm -hmm. goes into a play saying, I'm going to hit Dar or DJ Moore on this slot fade route. And then... DJ Moore separates, and he hits DJ Moore on the slot fade route. And when you see these drops lengthen in the pocket, it's generally because that first thing didn't happen. Like, Fields is not clicking from plan A to plan B fast, or plan B to plan C. That one's especially bad, if you've seen what right. I've seen. Where, like, yeah. read one to read two could take a while. Read two to read three takes flat out too long. Mm -hmm. So he picks up this conversion to Mooney, and all I'm left thinking is, did he get lucky? Or did he do it on purpose? Because we've seen three weeks of we can't hit a receiver against zone unless they right. blitz. And now we hit one, but you watched him the entire time. And, and I'm just left saying, Nick, that at the end of the day, this is a great week for Fields to show improvement because this commander's team isn't that good. But also, it's a spicy commander's team with yep. a, an offensive coordinator that I actually think is on fire right now. Did you watch any commander's offense? Like, yeah, any? yeah, they're, they're dealing. They should have went for two to win that game there. I love the way the enemy is leveraging uh, trips and bunch sets and wide receiver stacks all over the offense. You'll see them get into a spread set, then motion one of the receivers directly in line with one of the other receivers, and especially going up against a team like the Bears that calls so much spot drop zone. That is exactly how you do what the uh, Kansas City Chiefs did, and you end up overloading areas. Right, Nick? 
because mm-hmm. in cover two, where there's two defenders, there's a hook curl defender and a flat defender, three guys overloads you. There's no way two defenders can defend three guys in that kind of space, especially mm-hmm. if Jalen Johnson isn't playing, which would be just a massive, massive L for the Chicago Bears defense. And Eddie as, Jackson. I mean, and I love Eddie Jackson. He plans to play, according to what he said on the uh, Oh, really? Could be gamesmanship, but he said wow. he plans to play. The wow. problem is right now, Nick, I would argue the Bears are getting so eaten up at corner, and that's okay. It's Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith. We are we're down pretty bad at corner right now. Well, I, I, you could argue Terrell Smith's playing better than Tyreek Stevenson. Really right could. Now. Tyreek Stevenson is kind of in a blender right now, and it's now it felt as if they targeted Smith a lot more than they targeted Stevenson in the Broncos game. And in particular, I need to go watch the back end again because I wasn't charting who got targeted, but I remember Terrell Smith came up with that huge breakup, but also it looked like it was Smith's side that got victimized on the big Cortland Sutton uh, conversion that extended the drive very late and I think got them into the end zone. It doesn't really matter. Both of the corners are struggling. Right, right. Well, also one point too is I heard Jalen Johnson on the radio and he said he didn't think that the hamstring injury was as bad as people initially anticipated. Oh, that's good. And he's not sure if he'd be ready for Thursday, but he says, I'll be back sooner than people think. Which also would be awesome. Just keeping, let, let's keep the, let's take the glass and instead of making it half full or half empty, talk about what's in the glass. If they lose on Thursday, they are 0-5. Like, yep. I'm not trying to say put a bullet in it, but Nick, we can speak a little more openly now that they're already 0-4. We are in a bad spot. <laughs> like, the the biggest problem that I feel like the Bears had here, if, I do you feel this way? I feel this way. Is that it's not that hard to go 7-10. and 10. It's really not. There are a lot of teams that are going to make it look really difficult because we have this weird run. Do you feel like I do? We have this surprising amount of teams that are in this, like, Patriots range of talent where they are not good and going up against a team like the Cowboys one is going to look like they're in the Premier League and the other is going to look like they're in what you call in soccer the English Championship League I don't know why they named it that way but this is (laughs) like you you get delegated Yeah, yeah exactly like the Patriots the Bears that looks like a football game the Patriots and the Jets that was a football game the Patriots and Dallas Mac Jones gets benched because yeah, yeah. something has to be done in a 38 to 3 blowout. And right. that's what we saw too. Like the Commanders getting back on topic and the Bears have both endured getting blown out by a top tier team. So it's not like the Commanders are a super team. But you you tell me Nick cuz you've actually coached. What is it like playing an off schedule road game? Especially if it's on a short schedule. In high school do y'all ever play games that aren't on Friday? Um, I, yes, I have once had a game on Saturday because the refs didn't show up on a Friday and then I've also had how the playoffs used to work. It used to be about every four or five days instead of every Friday. Um, and, and it, and it creates, it creates different. I mean, you talk about this. I mean, if this was, you know, I know anything could happen on Thursday, the bears, we don't have a lot of hope, but you have a Thursday night football, anything can happen because guys are rested. They're not recovered. You have, you have, it's tougher in terms of just. There's there's two different things you have to do to prepare for your next game. You have to self scout, which is yes. scouting yourself, also your tendencies, how your players are doing, fix fix errors, etc. Then you also have to scout for the next team. And generally in college, I would scout two games ahead. That's how I would. That's my role. I I a gopher role. I wasn't anything big, but that's what I would do. Okay. So when you're when you're scouting two two games ahead, right? You're trying to get things prepared. 
But then when it's that week, then all of your position guys, they're getting all of their work in in scouting and you get way more in depth with it. And so if you only have a couple of days to go as in depth as you would like, you're not going to be as prepared. So you're, you're hoping that I, here's my hope for Thursday. Again, I, no matter what, okay, with, with the whole Caleb Williams, with the whole whatever, I want Chicago to win. Always. I want them to win. I always want them to win, especially now that Carolina could be the number one pick. Doesn't really matter to me. I want the Bears to win and to, and to develop players. And with Nate Davis back and Tevin Jenkins, hopefully back, he's practicing. If he starts, and let's say Eddie plays, let's say Jalen plays, here's the hope, okay? Mm-hmm. Justin Fields turned a corner. That's what it looked like. Hopefully. He played free as hell for three full quarters. I mean, he was the best version of himself, man. And and even the interception was anticipation. So it's like you threw it and he just like let it go. He didn't there there was only about a couple of throws. I'm like, ah, he waited too long and thought too much in his head about it. But if you have a better line and now maybe the secondary is somewhat back together. And if Walker is finally playing a little bit better, TJ Edwards is playing a little better. And you finally get to look at like the team you kind of actually designed to have. Right. And it's there. You could be a lot better ball club. You could be a much better ball club. And the only issue is, is, and I worry Nick that there are some times that I sound like a doomer and it is entirely a, an attempt to not get my own hopes high enough to where I can get disappointed again. Like most of what I'm sit hearing, sitting here and saying is a coping mechanism, to be honest with you. I thought it was admirable that the Cardinals played the commanders so tight. Little did I know the Cardinals would pull out an upset and a half like on the season because I thought the fact that they were so close with the Niners for so long was very, very admirable indeed. Actually well, and beat cool. Dallas. Yeah, of course, I figured the Dallas part that was talking about the half. The one win is obvious, right? Yeah. The yeah. Texans are out here playing ball, and the worst team you get right now is a is a team so held back by its quarterback that they can't possibly win a game so long as Bryce Young starts. At least it seems that way. This way, like I'm so sorry, Bryce Young. Not really though. Like. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad it's bad man the it is team, bad the team that almost beat the seahawks with andy dalton that's a different carolina team than the it team is. where bryce young tries to dip away from a free rusher and gives up a fumble pretty much every bit is bad because i'm gonna give you i'll hit you with a hot take and i'll let you tell me i would argue any quarterback seeing a free rusher and giving up a fumble that gets returned for a touchdown pretty much deserves the same grade because I've seen a lot of people that are talking about the latest fields fumble. And I mean, let's be really honest, Nick, if fields turns around and eats an 11 yard sack, the bears win the game. Like in my opinion, the bears defense was playing poor. The Broncos defense got in its way or Broncos offense got in its way a lot. I was shocked at how often going back and through the film, the Broncos offense would false start and kill themselves on a third and one becomes a third and six becomes a punt. And and I laughed when it was Mike McGlinchey. That was fun for me. Right. Like third and eight became or third and 10, I think became like a third and 15 and the drive is over. Like there's so many of these moments where the Broncos offense couldn't get out of its own way. They scored two touchdowns. What are we so scared about? They then on the 28 to 28 drive, they finally get Russ to throw a cover two hole shot that he'd been basically ignoring all game. And I mean, that whole shot is yawning open. 
right? Yeah, yeah. But after that, they immediately couldn't move the ball. This was a Broncos Mm -hmm. offense that was not playing well. The fact that the Bears gave up that score is crippling. Just as crippling mm-hmm. as uh, as Bryce Young giving up the fumble that he gave up yeah. against Minnesota. But I say all this, Nick, to point out that the journey back, like, you're totally right. The Bears could be much more competitive if all mm-hmm. these things happened. Would they be good yet? Would they be bad yet? <laughs> like, would they climb out of being not the worst team in football? I'm really dubious on if Matty Eberflus can do any of that. Because right well, now... He- I'm just so mad. Like, I don't even think that comes through. Sometimes I almost worry that I sound too upbeat to be furious. But Nick, to me, this is insulting football. I've dealt with some bad football. You know what I'm saying? You've dealt with some bad football. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, a Bears fan my whole life, it's been pretty bad. But like, we're talking about the worst team in football. Like, this is going to be hot (laughs) takey. I mean, considering the Bears, I mean, point differential and, you know, how they've looked. But I'm not sure Chicago is the worst team in football right now. I mean, you look at New England looks terrible. Um, Pittsburgh looks bad, even though they have two wins. I thought you were going to mention New York. Well, yeah, the Giants. I mean, I never seen how Giants. I mean, well, Jets, you could say, depending on what version of Zach Wilson you get. (laughs) You, you get. You get Daniel Jones. I mean, you got, I mean, Carolina. I mean, there are, there's a lot of bad football going on right now, and some of it is like we have no hope for offense at all, and there Seriously. is hope for Chicago. Like that's the thing. Like, if, so if I I transition this to, um, well, one thing I want to talk about with the fumble is this: the fumble was on fields, okay, but with his athleticism and with what he got away with in that game earlier, with the snap count on two and Lucas Patrick snaps it on one, and there's a free rusher and Fields throws a dart Sick, slant. Bro. On third down, throw was Be- sick. That actually, and- straight up, that might be the best throw of his life. And I oh. know that there's somebody out there that's sitting there saying, "Robert, are you kidding me? You're about to call a third and ten conversion on a slant, the best throw in his life." Yeah, he never threw through that kind of pressure on that kind of pinpoint accuracy to that. What what would you call it? Like tight window. Like that well covered a receiver. Fields forced it in, just like we've seen Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, all the yep. great quarterbacks do at some point. Man, Nick, if we get that, like I'm worried yeah. he did it on accident. I'm worried that he did that <laughs> he, thinking he it was. He said it was man. his favorite throw. He said it was his favorite throw, too. Good, because it was dirty. Like, yeah. that's like, like, awesome. like do that. Do but like when you add more of that stuff in with him freelancing and hitting Cole Komet for the touchdown. And I mean, him literally dancing back and forth, like dance, dance fever with the guy in his face. And then buying enough time to hit Herbert for the touchdown. Cause if you watch so great, there are many quarterbacks that are going to be able to avoid this guy for long enough and play this game and keep his eyes downfield for a touchdown that you put all that in a blender. And then you're like, well, yeah, no kidding. He thought he could just throw the ball quickly and not take a sack on that boot. Yeah. You put all that together. Yeah. He got away with it four times. Why would the fifth time be anything different, but diving into the offense, right? So I don't think Chicago's the worst team in football, because if we look here, yards per play on offense, Chicago averages 0.2 more than Washington. They average more net yards per pass attempt than Washington by 0.4. They have more rushing yards per attempt by Washington than 0.1. Their QB rating is 5.5 better. Third down percentage is better. Red zone touchdown percentage is better. Their points per drive is worse, which is a little bit surprising. 1.96 to 
8-3, but their offense is better than Washington. And you had said earlier, and quote, they're dialing some stuff up. Washington looks pretty good. So right. if they're looking good, and if you look at the abysmal game against the Chiefs, the Bears offense is done decently. That's the this thing. year. So Ben Baldwin uh released a he he releases like a tier list every year. He's Ben Baldwin on Twitter. Uh, you also find his little name is Computer Cowboy and he does a he does basically a chart that on the y axis is your defensive EPA per play and on the x axis is your offensive EPA per play. So I can't tell you the numbers. I can tell you the Bears are right there with the Giants in the two worst teams in football performance wise so far. And here's why. Would you like to guess the placement of the offense in off or in offensive EP right per play? Um, in in terms of like a positive. In terms of um, well, don't not that I'm talking ranking wise because you're making oh. a strong case in the NFL. In, in the, the NFL, NFL, I would think I would think the offense is probably like twentieth. Yeah, around there, tenth worst. Uh, if I'm doing yeah. back of the napkin math, that's like twenty second. Well, would you like yeah. to guess where the defense is? <laughs> As 31st. a reminder, the Broncos are the worst in history up and to this point. Right. So where yeah, are the they're Bears? 31st. They're 31st yep. by a healthy margin, too, unfortunately. Yep. I'm with you, Nick. When I say the Bears are, if not the, one of the worst teams in football, I'm not talking about the offense. And that's what I think makes this conversation, honestly, so difficult, is we're looking at a quarterback that is not hopeless. By any stretch of the imagination, mm -hmm. when you see people on Twitter even suggesting that not not I'm not hitching myself to this wagon yet, but it's it's on the table like to trade fields. The suggestion there is that someone would want fields. It's not like what hockey do you follow? What other sports, whether it's hockey, basketball, baseball, do you follow? Because I'm sure you can conjure up a trade. Anybody out there can conjure up a trade where your GM somehow packaged the worst player on your team with a prospect for at somebody of decent value. It has happened in every sport for Chicago or for Dallas stars. It was Ryan Garbutt and Trevor Daly being traded to the Chicago Blackhawks for Patrick Sharp and a defenseman whose name I forgot. Um, but the point is, the point is Nick that fields is not the whole problem. The, the fact that he can't carry the team just kind of stinks because mm -hmm. the team itself to go back to all the way to what you started this conversation with is so woeful. And the defense in particular is so woeful, so woeful that if they end up with three wins, it's hard to imagine they won't have a top five pick. And yep. then the coach will get fired. And then the new coach will come in with a top five pick, if not a top two pick. Right now, coin flip odds, coin flip odds that they are uh, the first overall pick which to me ignores the fact that what I'm worried about, Nick, to, if, if do you feel like you're seeing this defense same way I am? Because right now, if I was going to write on a board, what is the kryptonite for the Bears defense? It is a veteran quarterback that has played a lot and can get the ball out quickly. I have just yeah. described every quarterback in football outside mm -hmm. of the ones on the Bears schedule. Like yep. every other team, Jimmy Garoppolo, lol, we can beat that team. The Bears? Oh, bad. oh, man. <laughs> Jimmy I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo can sling. Like, Carolina, lol, Kirk Cousins almost gave us the game. The Bears, Kirk Cousins may set another completion record. For all I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
you get what i'm saying like no you're right because it's like like i that's how i look at this game i'm like i look at the quarterback rating that howell has and he's played worse than fields this year but i'm like we couldn't stop a nosebleed if we had a a miles worth of cotton balls like there's no way we can stop anything right now so it's like right you're 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 basically just hoping you score on every drive and and they'll mess up one time it's damn near that like, am I worried about the Bears maybe scoring 17? That's not the issue. The issue is I'm worried about Sam Howell hanging another 30-burger on this Bears defense, and I don't think the offense has the chutzpah right now or whatever you want to call it, right? Like, I think I'm picking a vocab word too much there. So, like, I don't think Luke <laughs> Getze has it in him to chain five touchdown drives together in one game even four touchdowns and a couple field goals. Like it's just tough sledding. And if you lose this game, you're own five and you might, you know, fingers crossed. This isn't the case, but you might be the only winless team in football at any given weekend at that point. Now it's, it's great. When you look at the other side of the coin, Nick, that the bears happenstantially own both of the picks of the winless teams, but that doesn't help us this year. And I would argue that you and I can put on our, okay, what if we're tanking hat another day? We're too early in the schedule for that. I think you're still allowed to be just disappointed with where mm-hmm. things are right now. I, I mean, in in your wildest nightmares, I did not think Chicago would be this bad. Not this bad. No way. No way. The, giving up, you said it's 50%, over 50%. On third downs, that would be indicative of getting run on. Think about that, man. Like, the problem is the average third down that the Bears are giving up is probably like seven yards because when they get walked down the field, they get walked down the field quickly, but they actually force quite a few third and eights if you're seeing what I'm seeing. Like, it's it's, it's 58.9 to make it even worse for you. It's almost 60%. That's almost a completion percentage. That is a higher number than Jordan Love's season completion percentage going <laughs> off the top of my head. So that it is right. But no, he's 55. Yep. Like, what are we? How do you expect to win any games? In fact, honestly, because this isn't a common thing that I think any fan on the internet should be saying. Legit, how does Matt Eberflus get another job as a defensive coach? Or not a head coach. How does somebody want him as their defensive coordinator at this stage? Like, this is the Eberflus defense. He had $100 million and five top 70 draft picks to put this together. And we have this. Like, where's the hits? Where's the hustle? Where's Where's the taking the ball, not turnovers, right? I mean, I mean, I don't see any turnovers. I mean, obviously, sacks isn't a big thing, but there, there's no, there's nothing good on third down. There, the pressure isn't there. The hustling, the punching the ball. I saw one punch out by Jalen Johnson. That's all I've seen, and turnovers against backup, you know, quarterbacks. Great. Like this is horrendous level. It's horrendous. They seem like they want long DBs so that they can stand in place and be long instead of being long press man corners. So the, instead, they draft guys with length that every other coach on the planet uses in press and ask them to do something that coaches ask five nine people like Greg Stroman to do. Is it actually any surprise Greg Stroman's the only one who looks comfortable in this defense? Like, <laughs> well, and, 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 and Greg Stroman, by the way, now that you brought him up, is 14.9 PFF grade worse than last year. 
it's just embarrassing, man. Like, cause it's a thing. Like I grew up in Dallas, Texas. So the idea that the people have been dumping on the bears for my entire life isn't news. Like at least Dallas goes eight and eight. They got mad about Jason Garrett for forever. But when the bears had lovey Smith, people actually were vaguely afraid of playing Chicago. When, when Chicago was in, even in their Trestman era, we had some good times. The John Fox era was bad, but we didn't, I don't think any of us were under the illusion. Well, that Tr- that had that run though, when he had the, the offense. That's my point. Like this is a team whose offense is unquestionably the best part of the team. And mm-hmm. everybody on the internet is mad about it. Like that part's better than the yeah. defense part. I just think people have collectively given up on the defense and they're not yeah. wrong to. So well, I, I, th- I think, I think in general, people don't follow closely, but I don't think people know the horrendous level that the defense is at. Like it's not even, you could, you could literally put flags on your quarterback and I don't think we're going to grab the flag when he drops back to pass. Oh my gosh, that's embarrassing, but I think you're right. And then we'll have these moments, right? Where the bear or like Justin Jones at one point, he didn't sack. Russ, nothing close, but he like fell into the pocket and Russ got flushed out. And suddenly the defense looks vaguely okay. Like you still had, uh, I've got this play that I found. It's hilarious. I don't know if it's fair to Russ because I don't know if a long throw actually gets there in time, but there's a uh, Broncos receiver that's just like hanging out in the end zone. And you've got like a solid five Mississippi count. I'm just hanging out on his own in the end zone waving at the quarterback like throw it to me <laughs> and, but within that it's like the bears will get this occasional pressure that's neat but it's just not consistent enough and against sam howell it won't surprise me if they get quite a bit of pressure that would be great too if he wasn't yeah, howell at this gets point, sacked a lot he, at this point he's really practiced about it and the enemy yeah. is a west coast guy and the last west coast guy we played I'm looking at you, Matt Nagy slash Andy Reid. Dice this defense up to the point where, what was it, Nick? They um they got one stop, and then every subsequent drive after that, they got scored on. Well, uh, the, the other thing I was going to mention, you said how like uh, Justin Jones just fell into Ross and, and, and you know flushed him from the pocket. That reminded me of the Kansas City game when, I forgot what DN it was, accidentally fell and hit Mahomes' ankle and sprained his ankle. Like I, It was an accident that we hit Patrick Mahomes. It wasn't right. on purpose. Right. Like nothing we designed. It's just you have to go off balance and just fall, and you might hit their quarterback. It's like not football. Like I, I'm so so frustrated because it, it is. It reminds me. I don't know if you have siblings or not, or, or older people that you you played you know sports with. It reminds me of your older brother playing you in basketball, and yes. he knows every time he can stuff your shot, and then he can rise up and hit a jumper over you. That's what it reminds me when the Bears are playing defense. Right. And so for anybody out there that feels this fury and you're just as disappointed as we are and you hate it when people talk about tanking, this is why people talk about tanking. Because whether they can verbalize it or not, they can see how bad this team is. I think you'd agree, Nick. And just don't know why. Like, for instance, I'll ask you, Nick, uh, the hardest question, the hardest question I think any Bears fan would have to answer right now. What would you say is the, the realistic win ceiling for the team right now? Five wins? Um, uh, ceiling, ceiling is yeah five or six. Then that's like everything goes perfect. So what if it doesn't? Let, now let's call it the the realistic ceiling, right? Where the most things go right that can go right. Fields is good. 
right? Takes a solid step forward. But the defense kind of is what it is until one of the players kind of wakes up. You get what I'm saying? Like, what is this, a four-win four win team at that point? Yep. So does that save Flus's job? No. So if Flus is gone and then there's a new offensive coordinator, what would Fields have to have done to justify keeping him? Well, well, honestly, what this reminds me of is, and what will have to happen for Fields to stay on the team, even if they have the first pick, he's going to have to turn into Justin Herbert, who Justin Herbert is like what Fields was on Sunday. Puts up great numbers, looks fantastic, might make a mistake or two, but you're just like, man, this guy plays awesome. The defense is trash. The analytics, Brandon Staley is going for right. it on their own 25, and they're not converting. They it's get back to the Raiders. Stuff. It's ridiculous like, stuff crazy stuff like he's gonna have to put up games like this again again i know he turned the ball over twice i mean not perfect where you're 24 of 25 the only completion is a hail mary but like 300 yard games 280 yard games three touchdowns like really good games he's gonna have to do that i would say probably at least seven more times at least this year i mean and even then he may have to break four thousand yards to really turn heads just because the worse the team performs the easier it is to just move on and not have to stake your claim to your guy. Because the higher the Bears pick gets, just imagine the opportunity cost. Imagine whether, Nick, it's you because I'm talking to you, or whether it's Mm -hmm. the viewer at home sitting here listening. Imagine you got the Bears job, you got pick number one, and you did not take a quarterback, and then Fields fails under any circumstance. You are fired. Not maybe not directly. It may be more of this like hanger on thing where you get fired at the earliest opportunity after that. But you know what I mean, Nick, where it's yeah. like just in the world of buying time and in the world of external pressure, there will be so much pressure to move on from fields at this point that you better have a reason not to. Why am I talking about all this? It's because the bar got so much higher once we started losing all these games. Once the Eberflus drama got to the point that it did, once the locker room devolved into utter chaos that can't seem to even keep its active weapons active, looking at you, Chase Claypool, like things got so bad that for Fields to escape the melee, he's either going to have to escape it via a trade or he's going to have to play so well that he is impossible to let walk out your door. And that is a different standard than year three growth path. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I'm I'm hundred percent with you. This is something I think that's very interesting though. I just, I was just calculating some numbers cause I was just curious. So we know that again, with these numbers, you have to take the highs and the lows. That means a 99 yard passing game from Justin Fields. Okay. Right. He's on pace for 29 passing touchdowns and 3,660 yards passing. Yep. I mean, I mean, and a lot of interceptions because he has five right now. So it'd be like probably like 21 or 22, which I mean, that won't, I, that shouldn't stay. But if you, if you said coming into the year, we talked about this prediction I show. I know. 3,600 yards, 29 passing touchdowns. Would you take that? I thought I would have thought for sure that it wouldn't have felt so lifeless, right? Where we have this, we have this magical game, this magical game against the worst defense maybe ever. Right. And if I sound like a grain of salting, it's because I did this already. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought Mm -hmm. Mitch turned it around against the Lions a lot. And that that stretch where Mitch looked like money against Detroit, then Jack or then Minnesota, then Jacksonville. Like it felt like you could see it. It felt like you could build on that. And then we played the Saints of the playoffs and they shuttered him. And it's Mm -hmm. 
it it feels like that again to me. But again, we talked about this early in the year, Nick. These are the scars talking. So is it real? Well, we don't know. To say you know is to pretend like you see the future. That's just not being realistic. Because like you're saying, those numbers are awesome. But I know for certain that if they cut the game tape when the game was over, Fields had 125 yards passing against Green Bay. The the Buccaneers game totally stands. The Chiefs game, how many yards did he have? (laughs) <laughs> the game was over like because they didn't move the ball a ton in garbage time but even the 99 is a high figure compared to the oh, way they, the they, ball was barely had any plays in that game either i mean really though really though and so we look at this and it's like fields throwing for 3700 yards 29 touchdowns and um 500 rushing yards in a season where they go what one and 16 i don't know how i feel about that yeah because <laughs> i you really know also, yeah you know also one thing that's funny so when i was going over the, the all 22 tape and then uh, then you look at the stats too so i follow that as i go through it you know they had that that quarterback like counter or power designed for him they got mm-hmm. just got blown up in the backfield because the end crashed and hit him before right. he had kicked out they call that a sack do you know that that's ridiculous the, I was i'm worried like they would what because while it looks like a draw when you know what you're looking at, it also looks like the quarterback takes the snap and gets hit. And so right. like that is that was a designed run. Do they call designed runs sacks? Like if they Lamar if Lamar sweeps, do they call it a sack when hmm. if, if he gets TFL'd? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I, in my in, in my mind, that shouldn't be. Because I mean, a, a sack you should be able to throw. <laughs> it shouldn't be. But right. tap passes shouldn't get counted as passes either. I'm with you on that one. And they do. Yep. But either way, let's close this thing up with a score prediction because we're all busy people. You've got to make, you've Mm -hmm. got a fields video to make. Oh yeah. I got, I got to, I got to finish up my all 22 fields tape. Um, I'll let you go first because I think I went first last time. I want this to be the triumphant game where fields proves everybody wrong, but there's so many things going against fields in this one. It's, Thursday, it's a Thursday night game, so everybody's going to be get short scouted, meaning that while the Bears offense, in theory, could potentially go up against a more stale version of the commander's defense, the commander's defense is not that complicated in the first place. And the way that they normally run things is, is not to Fields' liking. So it's going to be a matter of how, how well the Bears can run the ball against the commanders. I bet they can run it pretty well, but I don't trust this team to chain plays together without throwing the ball at the end of the day. And so if I'm looking at this, I think we're going to see a 24 to 13 game where the Bears also collect a late field goal or something to make it look a little closer than it is. Not quite Seattle Giants, but a similar vibe where the the game feels tight until suddenly you realize that the offense is not scoring <laughs> or at least that they're not going to. Now, one quick asterisk on this, Nick. The Bears seem to do really well on their scripted drives. So mm-hmm. the the Bears may score quick and then fade. And against a team that may not be able to score a million points, that could be a real positive. But the Eberflus defense versus Sam Howell and Bienemy's offense is not a matchup that I like. I think the way they run their offense shreds zone pretty well. And if they do switch to man, Terry McLaurin and a couple of the other commanders receivers are good enough to punish you that way. So 
I think that the Commanders break 20, the Bears do not, and the Bears end up 0-5, and chaos ensues. What do you think? I'm going to throw out a prediction here, Robert. Give me the dub. I'm going to say Chicago wins this game. Hell yeah. I mean, it's Thursday night football. I think a lot of things can happen. I look over here at the injury report for Washington, and Curtis Samuel is DNP, which is not good. With a quad, he's been pretty, you know, done well for them. Jahan Dotson is limited with an ankle. Christian Holmes, which I'm trying to remember if he is their backup nickel or not. He is DMP with his back. Um, and they've played four games and they've allowed 33 or more points each of the last three weeks on defense. Mm -hmm. And they beat the Broncos by two. We they were did. right there. And I'm going to tell you what, we're due. So Chicago is going to win this game. 31 to 24. I love we're due. We're due is something my dad used to say constantly. <laughs> and sometimes it happened and we'd go, we're due and slap five. But I swear the we're due game in my own memory is like two and nine. <laughs> but, but I would love to, I actually don't know what would happen to be honest. Like a one and four bears team going into the mini buy. Oh, that's like not a firing. You know what I mean? And so the team's direction makes a lot more sense at just what like the, your fingertips if they mm -hmm. if they lose. But just because it makes sense doesn't make it better, obviously. Yeah. Like we, mm -hmm. we do want the Bears to win. And yep. so we will see. Nick, what do you have coming up that people can look forward to? Uh, well, um, I'm going to hopefully release my all 22 Justin Fields tape uh, later today. That's going to take some time. There's a lot of plays they went through. Um, and then um, we talk about this every, every, almost every episode, right? But I, I got my DFS article that comes out on Fridays and it's, it's contrarian. And I, again, like I said, I, I did really well in DFS this last week. You know, I, I won thousands of dollars, Dang we will it. say. And on my contrarian team, I had Justin Fields, which was contrarian because it's like, man, are we really going to trust this guy? You know, Boston Fields, like, you know, especially in the DFS community, like don't go with that. But I went with him and obviously you had to get a little bit lucky. So maybe tune into that football guys, you know, contrarian article. It could make you some money. That's awesome. I've been loving reading that the other lately. I'm not a DFS guy, but it's always fun to just track who you're picking for that exact reason. And then mm -hmm. uh, as far as what I've got going on, just keep an eye on thebearsblog.com. It's a short week, which is going to be pretty crazy. I have no idea what we'll do. Uh, it's usually just a bunch of late nights, but we will be with you throughout it. You'll see, uh, if, assuming that you got to this point in the podcast, we will be going, probably not live. So uh, there will be an episode popping up on Friday of bear with us. And then you and I will get to sleep over the weekend, Nick, but <laughs> for as much as we can, I mean, you gotta right. remember, um, because I'm such a big college football fan, Nick, I will let you know because I, you know, you know, me lifelong USC fan over here that they have a phenomenal stretch coming up against Notre Dame, then Washington, then Oregon. And they've still got like Oregon state left on the schedule. Like if you're looking for, test games for my <clears throat> my favorite team obviously uh yeah, the yeah. university of south carolina it would be those games which could make for some electric saturdays but well 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 i a little a little fun fact here robert i let you know 
I will be in the stands watching Notre Dame USC. So That's I will awesome. Be, I will be what? watching Caleb Williams and a lot of those guys closely. Caleb, who? I, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> he's he's going to go to some other team because Justin Fields is going to rise up. He's going to rise week, up, baby. He's and gonna... we are going to crush Washington Commanders. <laughs> Why are you there? Are you going to be? Are you Notre Dame grad, or did you just get tickets? My, my dad's a big fan, and he got That's tickets, awesome. so we're going to be going. That's awesome. That'll be yeah. great. That'll be such yeah, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a really nice venue. If you've never been, it, it's so it's it's similar to Michigan, where it's just a smaller stadium where you walk in and then you walk down. It's really it, dude. It's historic. It's That's cool awesome. to go. Now I'm, yeah. now you got me wanting to go, but yeah. it'd have to be another time. Either way, Nick, thank you so much for hanging out with me, listener. Make sure you leave us a five star review on whatever viewer platform you're on. We've got like eight of them now. I appreciate you guys so much. Let's see if we can't get up to I don't know twelve. Right. But until next time, bear down and thanks so much for bearing with us.